Wow, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's Palm Sunday, and you know, back in history, and uh, Jesus at this time was going into the city, and everyone was cheering for him and saying, Welcome, Hosanna, the highest praise. And then he had a week of just, oh my gosh. And, um, but as our Lord and Savior, he withstood that, oh my gosh. And what we're going to do the next two weeks is talking about, and it's kind of like I, she said, I'm glad she said that because it's been a heavy, heavy subject for me. Who is this man? Because I was studying this thing, I got so convicted of my life and walking with Jesus. And when I started studying how much Jesus poured out his life for us, and then I started studying my own pattern of pouring out my life for him, I was coming up pretty short. And, you know, when you say about who is Jesus, and you have to hope at the end of this serve, these next two services, you'll discover who he is for you. Some say he's a prophet. Some guys say he's a lunatic. Some people say he don't even exist. Christian church is not sure if he's, if he's just savior that rescues me or he's Lord that who directs me. And I pray that all of us have to come to that conclusion of who Jesus is in your life. Because this is a question that's been going on over a thousand years here in, in America and everywhere around. Everyone's trying to figure out who is this person called Jesus? I looked up something here. Um, the 10 best Jesus documentaries. I looked it up online. And it has from 2007. It said, did Jesus die? It came out of BBC. Another one came out, The Last Supper. Trying to find out who is Jesus. Had the execution of Jesus. Now, I like the name of that because Jesus didn't die. He was killed. Then it says, the search for Jesus. This was in ABC News. In the footsteps of the Holy Family is another one. The search of Easter. This is National Geographic. Trying to figure out what Easter means to us today. And one of one, the resurrection, search for answers. Jesus, the missing history was another one that uh, Discovery Channel put out. And now if you've been walk, walk, looking at TV for a while, you've been seeing the Bible, um, the, the um, documentary on the Bible. And a lot of people say it's not accurate, but it's causing a lot of questions. Um, in our American public for us to give the right answers. So when I go through this today, I really want to, I want your heart not to recognize who Jesus is, but I want the Holy Spirit to reveal who Jesus is. And hopefully your response, when you find out who, what Jesus, who he died for, and his mission, you will go on mission to make sure no one, no one is left behind and I'm not talking about the movie I'm talking about no one is left without the gospel especially if we had the opportunity to preach the gospel so can we just pray for a moment then we're going to go right into it father I just thank you right now as we discover who is this man who is Jesus father I pray for your holy spirit to teach us to learn reveal to us who Jesus is in our hearts father show us guide us direct us Whatever it takes, convict us to reveal your true passion and your true love for us. We give you praise and we give you glory. 
In Jesus' name. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16, verses 14 through 17. This is our theme scripture for our, this, this, uh, this message series. This is Jesus. If you know, he took the guys, the disciples, all the way down to Philippi. And what happened is he took them into a place where there was no Christian influence. It was all about idol worship. It was a center for Baal worship. And he took them out in the, in the wilderness to ask them this question. So they had no way to come around and say, well, we have the good Christian answer. They had to discover the answer for themselves. And he said this. And they said, some said, Jesus asked, who does people say I am? And they said, some said John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, we know if you look at the whole Old Testament, they thought these prophets came back to life. That's what some of the crowd was saying. He said to them, but who do you say I am? That's the question. Who do you say he is? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus asked him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And what Jesus was telling Peter, Peter was known of putting his foot in his mouth and talking too much at the wrong time. I like when they put him in the Bible because it's just show hope for me. And what happened was Peter was open for the father to speak directly to Peter to give him a revelation that he is not only he is the son of God. He is the Christ, the Messiah. He identified with his divinity is his deity that you are from the I'm from God and you come from God. Now, church, I want to explain something to you. The only way we're going to discover who truly Jesus is is not by recognition, but only by revelation. The Holy Spirit has revealed to you who Christ is. And I thought I did. So I started going through this sermon series. And I repented. I, well, I repented when I was, in, I was in California this week. I was repenting. said, Lord, I got so off track with stuff that don't matter. And I didn't get my life in line to what does matter. And it really just convicted me. And, I, you know, that's just me. I don't know what's going to happen to you. You might say, I got it all together. I know who Jesus is. That's good. I hope you don't stand in line of pride because that might hurt you. But this is Jesus asking. And then he walked it out. He says, I'll build my church upon this confession. Reason why this is so special, Jesus asked Peter. Ask them, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Now, if you know your Bible through the Old Testament, all the way from Genesis 3.15, after man fell in sin, God had a solution. He introduced Christ, who will crush the serpent's head and bruise his heel. There's one book in the Bible when we talk about the Easter story and talk about all the way through all the different Gospels that connect the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ so precisely, written so excellently, came out. And when you read this scripture we're going to go to in Isaiah, when you read it, it's so precise. When you read it and you go to the New Testament, the same thing that he said took place. Isaiah was such a special prophet from God that he, everything he said was so exact 
that when you look at the history writers, there had to be about two or three of them because he prophesied before and during and after in a time period which was unusual, but I tell you, it was fascinating. And the only reason why they said it had to be three, because it was so exact. Now, in Isaiah 53, we're going to read 1 through 12. It's a long passage. He's going to unpack that last week, the last 24 hours of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, you got to understand with Isaiah, he was such an amazing prophet. He prophesied about a guy in Isaiah 45 named Cyrus, a Persian king. At that time, he was telling the guys, you're about to go into some bondage, Israel, if you don't behave or you don't obey. They said, no big deal. You're going to go in bondage for 70 years. And then I'm going to raise up a, a man named Cyrus the king, a Persian king, to get you released. That's powerful. Now, here's the interesting thing about it. When he said that, it was 150 years before Cyrus was even born. So Cyrus, born, grows up, gets the law. At that time, we call, at that time was the law. In our time, we called the Bible, opened it up. I'm in here. Okay, let me, what am I supposed to do? And he did it. He had two prophets, him and Jeremiah, prophesied he's going to do this. You know what he did? Oh, I better do this since it was told I'm going to do this. Well, you know what's so special about that story? Before I was born again, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Then I got born again, I opened the Bible. What am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to be? I read it, now I'm trying to live it out. You know where definition and mission comes? Only from the Bible. The true source of life. The definition of life is in the Bible. Richard's in here. He's called a disciple. It starts and I finish. Isn't that amazing? Because everything I looked up online was a source of who Jesus is. Look, can we go, like I call in the military, can we go to the source document to find out who Jesus is? Don't go online looking for him. Go to your source document. When you find him, you'll find yourself. Isn't that amazing? They wasted all that money. It would have cost them $10 in Walmart to get him a Bible. Millions of dollars on these films. Cost us 10 bucks. In fact, you know, you can go to a hotel and find one. They know you don't bring it back. That's why Gideon gives them Bibles. There's a Mormon Bible. I saw that the other day. They in here too. It's amazing. So when we go to Isaiah 53, open up your hearts and your soul. And let's look and look and see what happened. Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 12. It says this. Who has believed what he has heard from us? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form of majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And as one whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs, 
carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. That's amazing. When they saw Jesus being beaten for our sins, they thought he sinned. That's why it was like, oh, that's why God's beating you up. Not for us. We're okay. He's beating you up because you sinned. Isn't that amazing? He was wounded for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his stripes, we are healed. How about that? Y'all don't believe it. All like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like the lamb that was led to the slaughter. Like a sheep that was before shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. As for his generation who considered this was cut off off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence. There was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was, foot, it was the will of the Lord to crush him, that he put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By the knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be considered, accounted, accounted righteous, and shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many. He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death. I don't know about you. That just moves me. When you look at this, Scripture forms and unpacks our Lord and Savior, what he's done for us. There's three things I want to cover in this Scripture. It's amazing. First, you'll see that Jesus was a suffering servant. Second, he was a satisfying servant. And third, he was a successful servant because he had to be a servant to go through what he went through. He volunteered for this. Jesus, if you know in the last days of his life here on earth, went through going, uh, going to court. He went to, he went to trial six times, three times as a religious trial and three times as a civil trial, and all of them were illegal. They're all at night, breaking every law just to remove him on the word and of the uh, motivation of envy. You know, envy killed Jesus, people envious. Unchecked envy leads to death. It's amazing. But it's this key word I looked in there. Two words. It says he was. He was. He was. Not he is. He was. When you talk about salvation, can I unpack some things for you about what true salvation is? Some of us are fighting things that are you dead that was nailed to the cross. We're dealing with oppression and stuff that don't exist anymore that was nailed to the cross. When we said that prayer and gave our life and faith to Jesus Christ, a lot of stuff was dead and taken away. I'm just fighting. You can't fight something that's dead. You keep resurrecting it. And we get suppressed by it. Some words in here. He was despised, rejected by man. They despised him. They reject him. And we talked about this the week that he came in to the city of Jerusalem. They were cheering for him. A couple of days later, 
they despised him, rejected him, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, afflicted, smitten, chastised, wounded, crushed, oppressed, taken away, cut off, and stricken. Can I say this? All those words I just gave you is the identification of sin. These are the things that sin does to us in our lives. That's how we feel. I be, before I knew Christ, this is how I used to feel. I don't know why I was always oppressed or depressed or just feel like I'm getting beat up all the time, that I can't seem to win. I can't seem to get no traction. Everyone feel like that? You know, I mean, this makes thought to make sense. He took all that for us. I know this is a hard message. No one likes to hear this. Because we like the Jesus we see on television. Come to me, those who are heavy laden burden. That's good, but you know, Jesus was a real man. Think about it. You stand here. Who, who likes MMA? Talk to the guys right now. You stand there and Bones Jones is wailing on you. ain't doing nothing back with it. You just taking it. Now, how many believe that Bones Jones is a bad dude? Yeah, guys act like they don't do MMA. <laughs> or a boxer. Wailing on somebody and with his hands pinned. I'm not doing anything because you guys are worth it. I see everyone here in this room, they're all worth it. I'm not doing anything because I might, I might kill the plan. Because here it is, guys. We're so valuable. You're so valuable to God. He sent his only son to die on the cross for us. Whenever you believe you're not valuable, read this. You're very valuable. Man, you're valuable. You can't, that's why I start crying. I can't even fathom someone loving me that much. We talk about it in marriage and stuff, but this is true love here. To take a beating, to be despised, to be rejected. I am God. I come out in the flesh, and I get destroyed here on earth for me, for you. When you look it up, it talks about the, that's what they call it, the atonement, the doctrine of substitution. He died in our place, died for us, and we deserved it. It's like someone, if you're standing on the tracks, and someone sees a train coming. You don't see it. Or you, can't, you see it, but you can't get out. You don't know how to move. They shove you out the way. They take the hit. Our Savior took the hit. Did he have to do that? Is that fair? Especially when he gets back from us. Here's the thing. He dies for us, and all he asks us for is a decision. Okay, I'm a banker. That doesn't, that doesn't pan out. He tells you to make a choice. He didn't have a choice. (laughs) Come on now. And here's the big thing. He didn't open his mouth. I'm not not there yet. I'm still dealing with when someone says something. If it wasn't for Pastor Sammy, I'd probably kill half the people. No, I'm just kidding. 
he's my he's my pastor pastor don't pastor pastor going don't don't I'm like man let, I'll just woo. I got convicted of this I'm like what am I getting upset about I'm not getting afflicted and beaten and oppressed and pushed down and stabbed and oh someone said something and he said man you need to mature what are you tripping for? Just me. It says this. It's amazing. In Matthew 26, 63. But Jesus remained silent, and the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you're the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus went through six trials, didn't say anything, until they asked the question, so, well, since you said that, I am. Then they lost their minds. But he didn't say anything. Punching the gut, whatever it takes, st- everything, beaten beyond recognition. Didn't say a word. Why? Because I see the value in humanity. I see what the devil took away. I'm bringing it back. I see the oppression of man. I'm going to bring freedom. I see them left behind. I'm going to push them ahead. For the joy set before him. He went through the cross. Know what the joy was? Us. We were the joy. We are the joy. It don't take three songs to celebrate Jesus. It's a revelation of what he did for us. Wow. Lord, man. Wow. I got to end this thing. Wow. Wow. And that's the same way I want to feel about people who don't know Jesus. I don't want to play church no more. I want to be the church and spread the gospel. I don't want to go through he say, she said anymore. I want to spread the gospel. I don't want to say I don't have time anymore. I want to try a way to get this gospel out. Because the same love that he had for us, we need to have those for those outside of us and when my mission is on that then I don't have to worry about all the petty stuff and I'm just talking about me because things can get very complicated real quick that don't matter and to top it off he just wasn't a suffering servant he was a satisfying servant in verse 11. Pull up verse 11, champ. For me. I know I'm throwing a curveball at you. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. He shall bear their iniquities, which means he will cover our sins. Reason why he was satisfying to the Lord because he satisfied his father. The reason why you can say that, because basically Jesus satisfied the righteous demand of God. We all deserve death. Jesus took it for us. Come on, somebody. We deserved it. 
It was a righteous demand. A righteous God could not fellowship with the people until something was taking place, until a righteous right standing was replaced back on mankind. And it was Jesus. And one of the greatest scriptures I read is in Romans chapter 5, 18 through 19, which explains it. This is Paul speaking to the Romans. How the power of one person and the power of one decision and one man can turn the tide. Look at this. Therefore, as one trespass, one led to condemnation for some men. Come on. How was that? I love that word. You always, always get on you about that word. All men. So that the act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by one man's obedience, the many will be made what? Righteous. Made righteous. Made righteous. Justification. It's a legal term. It's a gift from God only by faith. Some of you get beat up by what the devil said you did yesterday or five minutes ago. But can I give you a little hint on that? It was nailed to the cross and covered by the blood. Reason why we all feel down, because this is supposed to be our greatest season of saying, Jesus is real, Jesus is awesome, come to church with me. But what he does, the devil does, he pushes us down so we think about ourselves and don't think about anybody else. And then when Easter's over, hey, no big, because he knows this is the time of the year, Christmas, Easter, that someone's going to come to church. <laughs> this is your open season to be the greatest evangelist on the earth. Because everyone's going to do it because what? We're not believers, we're religious. I grew up there too. I was Lutheran. Go to church, you feel better. You go to church, you play a better basketball game. And this is the time where people show up. But they won't show up unless someone invites them. And he knows, let me make you think about your own issues so you won't think about anybody else. And that's why I was thinking about my own self. So I read this. I thank God Jesus wasn't worried about himself. He was worried and he saw, again, he saw all you before you were born. The sins you have not even committed yet. The sins you will commit today and tomorrow. But the greatest thing about God, he always has a plan. He's called repentance. You repent and you go back in faith. He said there's no condemnation because we left condemnation when he died on the cross for us. Remember that? There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So don't be condemned. Now, you can be convicted, like I was, and still am. But condemnation is not my vocabulary, and it's not my identity. Amen. Someone told me the other day, when I get beat down so bad, I just say, forget about it. I might as well keep on sinning. I said, you know, that's the plan of the enemy. Make you think you fell short. Now, here it says that we've all fall short of the glory of God. But here's a, here's other plan. You repent, you go ahead, man. Because you going around, the, some of us are going around, hey, my sin's on that table. Let me go pick it up. Well, see, you got to remember, this is as white as snow. The sin don't exist anymore yes. by faith. Now, if you don't know Jesus, you're still condemned. We'll talk about that next week.
But we're picking up stuff that's took care of it. Worrying about how we were born, our lineage. Remember, I said this a few weeks ago. We all come from the human race. You know, no one's here in accident. You'd be, you'd be surprised how a miracle is creation is. It's a miracle. But don't live your life fighting. How many think you need to fight for victory? You don't have to fight for victory. Because here's the thing. He didn't just be a suffering, a satisfying. But one thing I liked in the business world when someone calls you successful. He was a successful, successful servant. Verse 12. Can you give me 12, Trevor? I'm throwing curves at you, buddy. Thank you. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many. He shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death. That means I win. And I am going to divide the spoils with my possession, my inheritance with my possession. The last time I checked that Jesus Christ is your Lord, you have an inheritance. It's a call of victorious inheritance. That means you're not fighting for victory. You already have the victory. You're fighting from it, not for it. That means Jesus didn't, didn't win. If you keep fighting for it, you're fighting from the position of victory. It's like me trying to deny I'm this, a certain age. I'm this age. That's the truth. I'm victorious. That is the truth. Now, my feelings, I don't feel that age. That's fine. But it doesn't negate the truth. You might not feel victorious. That's fine. But it doesn't negate the truth that you are. Here's what I like about it. Think about this, because this makes you party now. We're going to party. We're going to party. Yeah, I gave you all the good news. I'm going to give you some bad news. Colossians 2, 13 to 15. And this was us prior to Jesus. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive with him, having forgiven all of our, what? Words mean sin. Keep going. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands, he set aside, set aside, nailing it to the cross. Keep going. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them in open shame by triumphing over them, over them in him. How would you like, so you just bought a new car, and you got whoever it is financing, and you make your next payment. They say, what are you making this payment for? Because I owe you. I'm in debt to you. Oh, man, I'm sorry. Someone stepped up and paid it. You'd be shouting all over, wouldn't you? $25,000 car, right? Well, here's my thing. I was deserving death. I had a lot of debt. A lot of debt. God, I owed a lot to God. I had, if I couldn't name it, we paid the debt. Someone stepped up, took the debt, and I could celebrate more than $1,000, more than a million dollars. You're talking about life. You're talking about life, man. Like, what, I got a second chance? Yes, you got a third. If you repent, you got a hundred of them. So what am I upset about? What am I tripping about? If he can do that, 
He can do anything. <laughs> Paid the debt. Not even that. Set it aside like, where's it at? I don't even see it in the pages anymore. And we, we rehearsed it. And he wiped it. A few years ago, I walked around, man, I kept, one guy, I mean, it was, I think it was, I don't know what pastor it was. He said, look, you better stop second-guessing yourself, man. You better stop living like you think you are. Start living what the truth says you are. So you, 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 you bind yourself up before you get started. You better stop listening to voices in your head and start listening to the word that's written and let the Holy speak, Spirit speak to your heart. Rebuke me, because I was trying to live low. Think low. Think I wasn't good enough. A lot of you think, I'm not good enough, not smart enough, not pretty enough. You're so valuable, someone had to die for you. That's how valuable you are. Otherwise, Christ would have came off the, off the cross, because he could have called a thousand angels. Just wipe them out. We'll start it over, Father. So now take it. Now, when you read this in Colossians, what it means, they're talking about Paul used a military term. When the Romans would capture a city, this is good stuff, man. This is army movies. I love them. Capture a city. And they would take the POWs, the general, and he would parade them, strip them of all their armor, right? Strip them down. And parade them with a parade down the street saying, we're victorious. Yeah, we are it. He put in the context of Jesus not only went to hell, beat up hell, took the keys, and took them prisoner. Which tells me I'm not under hell. I'm under grace. And he disarmed them. So they're not that powerful. They're not. We used to exercise. I used to hate when we exercise in the military with fake guns. I said, what's this plastic gun going to do? Give me the real deal. Suppose something happened. Bang, bang, you're dead. All right, now fall down because there ain't real bullets in it. Can I be real with you? That's the devil. You know when he says, bang, bang, you're dead? Why do we believe it? When he, all he has is a plastic gun. And you know what his bullet is? The past. Which the last time I checked, those bullets don't exist anymore. You're getting free, aren't you? It's good stuff, isn't it? I thought so, too, when I was doing it. So you punch, boom, boom. Ain't nothing there. Water? You want some water? Show him with a water gun. I'm dying. From what, a water gun? Why do you go through all that? set the captives free. We were under the enemy. And they thought they had him. He's gone. He is done. And he said, okay, kill me. Then he said, goes in the grave. Put him with another criminal. Then a rich man came and gave him a nice little pad to lay in for a couple of hours. And I can see it now. I can see it down there now. 
we got him. We're celebrating. We killed Jesus. Yeah. He comes and knocks on the door. Hey. What are you doing here? Oh. Um, sorry, guys. I just killed death. I just wiped the keys. The keys. I just took death. So there's nothing else to be fearful. I done took death. I own death now. I own everything right now. Now, you can play around if you want to, but at the end of the book, the playground is going down. Amen. Sorry, Jack. I'm very animated. I'm trying to make it plain to you. I, want, I don't have to still praise you. You've got to understand the truth makes you praise. It's good stuff. It's more than a song. It's a reason. You were the reason. So he's suffering, satisfying. He was so satisfied that we would become the righteousness of God. God was so satisfied now we're the righteous ones of God that now we can fellowship with God. We couldn't be fellowshipping with God. We weren't righteous in his eyes. So someone had to pay that price, pay that requirement. And he went down and then goes up. Philippians 2.9. Look what it says. Four, no, two nine. It should be two nine, but I'm sorry. Well, I didn't even put four nine. <laughs> you could tell two o'clock in the morning I wasn't seeing well. Um, it says there, this is what it says. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Jesus started in heaven, came to earth, had to go down as a servant crucified, dead, buried, rise again to be exalted. I love that leadership turn because before there's an exaltation, there's going to have to be a death. So when you hear in the scripture it says you got to die and pick up your cross daily, that means you got to humble yourself, pick up your cross, and I will exalt you at the right time. Anything beyond that doesn't work. You're not, and he says you are not above the teacher. We're to be like the teacher. If they hated them, they will hate him, they will hate you. If he had a hard time, guess what? You're not going to have a hard time because the last time I checked, no one's going to kill us unless we live in Iran. Think about it. No one's going to kill us. It may be some hard times, but that's just a season. What I have is for real and forever. Greater he that's in me than he that's in the world. See, because triumph only comes through death. That's a tough lesson. That triumph only comes through death. And our Lord and Savior showed that he was willing, enabled, in full control. Because here's an interesting thing. I just can't fathom this. It pleased the father to crush him. I'm a dad. You talk about the gravity of that. The love of that. And then obeying that. For us, who will sit there and say, you on the cross, come on down. God must not love you because you're hanging up there. For people who just say, hey, whatever. Big deal. So what? 
But here's his thing. He said this, too valuable, because I do see the potential in him. And only by my spirit will transformation come. Not being good. You don't rob anybody. You didn't kill anybody. It don't matter. Unless you make a decision for Jesus Christ, you're always going to feel condemned. You're always going to feel oppressed. Even though you might feel that when you're born again, there's a different pressure to it because you already know that I win. But since he conquered death, I want to get with the one who conquered death. And since me and myself can't conquer death, it's a lose-lose situation. One guy said it this way, without Jesus in our lives, you'll either succeed miserably or you'll fail miserably. But you'll be miserable. And I'm not just talking to those who don't know Jesus. I'm talking about those who need to get kick-started back in your walk. Because, you know, I mean, I walk around, I have to get all this knowledge and education and all that stuff. I'm learning all these things. That has nothing to do with me walking with the Holy Spirit and declaring what's real and what's not real. Who is Jesus to you? Who do you say he is? Is he a good savior? Will you have to be rescued every week? Or is he Lord that you're directed every day? See, the level that you know that you've been forgiven and the, and the weight's been pulled off you is the level that you go after other people and help them. When you think it was just less, and I was okay, I just gave Jesus and put him in my, in my, uh, in my section. That's how you live your life. But when you have a revelation that he took it all and he's not asking much for me but a decision and then a process where he gets the credit for training me to be a disciple. He gives me the grace to learn how to be a disciple. All I got to do again is just submit. That's not fair. But that's God. That's all I got to do. Is submit. And I love doing it. Because unless he builds it, nothing's going to happen. Unless he builds my family, I'm not going to have a good marriage or good kids. Unless he's the center of my life, I'm not going to have anything. He has to be the center of my every stress, my ever, my every encounter, my every argument, which I don't want to do that no more either. I don't want to play church. I want to be the church. I want to be the church. You know, one person with one decision can change your family tree. But we got to be believers that constantly ask this question. Lord, what can I do to bring your glory here on earth. Lord, who doesn't know you that I need to come alongside and help them know you? Because he spent his whole life thinking about other people, not us, not himself. That's the greatest thing about humility. I don't think about myself much. I don't have a long resume. I really don't. People ask, I'm a boring guy. They ask me, how'd you get here? I just tell them, well, I just serve God and I serve people. 
come on, give me something else, man. Didn't you take these different classes? Yeah, I took classes, but they didn't explain nothing to me until I started doing it. And education is great. And I got, I'm getting more of it. I'm going to keep doing it. But really, it doesn't do anything until I get one-on-one with somebody and find out their soul and find out that I can be selfish and find out that I'm really self-centered sometimes because I like being comfortable. Just, hey, I'm just, I don't, it's just me. But what about you? What is Jesus saying to you right now? Everybody head bowed.